The following podcast is brought to you by the Bridge Bible Church in Somerset, Wisconsin. For more information, please visit our website at thebridgewire.com. morning. I've always wanted to do this. I never got to. He is risen. Yep, that's, thanks for entertaining my selfishness. I appreciate it. Well, uh, I need to get a drink of water because actually I was singing and I get dry pretty quick. So sorry about that. Nice job keeping the spit section free. Um, Well, most of you don't know me. My name is Michael. I'm a member here at the church. I'm uh, a chaplain with Ecumen Hospice, and I'm actually ordained to this church, and I have the pleasure of being able to celebrate today with you guys on this Easter service. So we're going to start with actually through, uh, reading Matthew verse, or chapter 28, uh, verse 1 through 10. So if you want to all follow along with me, we'll have it up there as well. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow, and for fear of him the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, so I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and they will see me. Well, it was a cold day in January in 2018 when something happened that would impact millions of people's emotions. It was a cold day in the northern city of Minneapolis. They were expected six inches of snow. We're pretty common to that fact, especially after this winter. It was January 14th, and a father and a son were standing covered in royal purple with thousands of other people watching a spectacle. It was the last few moments, and up on the scoreboard was uh, number 10, and it started to count down nine, eight, seven. And just then, a man in purple with a number seven stepped back and threw a weird-looking brown object into the air. Now, you might be wondering what I'm talking about, but yes, I'm talking about a football game. And you're wondering, especially why am I talking about the Vikings on Easter? I should know better. But this is the Minneapolis miracle. And for some of you that don't know, 
Minneapolis Miracle is a famous event in the, in the Vikings football era where they completed a pass to win the game. Now, my son and I were actually at this game. And I can tell you it was this riot of emotions where we were winning spectacularly and then we were losing. And then we were winning again. And then we were losing with about 20-something seconds left on the clock. Well, when this event happened, the crowd, I can't tell you how loud they got. It's, it's without words. It's unimaginable. And to witness it, it was, it was so crazy. There were people that didn't know each other, hugging and slapping hands. There's a guy on the stairs just doing this, yelling at the top of his lungs. I'm sure you all can reflect on a time when you've had an emotional experience like that or where you were during the Minneapolis Miracle. But the experience I had at that moment actually pales in comparison as I was studying this passage and what these women and the disciples experiencing. And I want to go through that with you guys as well this morning. So uh, we're going to start right at the beginning, Matthew 28. I'm going to reread it. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Now the first thing that came to my mind was these women and what an amazing story they are. See, the interesting thing about these women is they are, as we're going to see, become the first witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. And they're tasked with a big task, which is to testify to the disciples. And it's actually amazing how perfectly it's set up so these women, you know, there's Mary Magdalene is one of the main ones common. There's other Mary, and Joanna is another one. But they were, some of them were present at the moment of Jesus on the cross. They were there. They saw his last breath. They were there at his burial by Joseph. And you can see this in Matthew 27, verse 55. They can actually testify that he was truly dead, that he wasn't just unconscious, that he had actually died. Then some of these women were actually at the ceiling of the tomb, which you again can read in Matthew 27, verse 60, Mark 15, verse 46, and Luke 23. So they were there. They saw him die. They saw him buried. And now they're the first ones to witness the empty tomb. And you can actually read this in all four Gospels, Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, and John 20. They were perfect witnesses. They saw all of it. And as we see the angel and, and, and God and Jesus himself are going to task these women with a testimony. But now to get back to these women, they're walking up to this tomb. And, you know, they would have felt the earthquake walking up there. And, but then, <laughs> excuse me, they see this man sitting on a stone. Now, he's covered in lightning and, and white, and I'm going, what in the world is going on? I, my mind kind of imagines that he's sitting there cross-legged, like eating an apple, right? Just like nonchalant, like nothing's going on. What an interesting sight behold. Now, it mentions the guards, right? So these guards, it says they're like dead men. Now, it's not that 
they died, or because they actually go on to testify to the priests, but they're in shock. So I don't know what that means. I, they're probably just standing there in awe. And, and the reason the Bible talks about them is, is it's very specific. Is Remember, these are battle-hardened men. They've been to war. They've seen darkness. They've seen the worst humanity has to offer. Not only that, but there's been talk that somebody might try to steal the body of Jesus because he's been talking about being raised on the third day. So these are probably some of the best men that this city has to offer to guard the tomb. And they're in awe. They're in shock. Nothing that they've witnessed has prepared them to see this man and the stone rolled away. So the angel continues and he says to them, he is not here. He is risen as he said he would. Now the angels remind, the angels reminding these women of what Jesus told them, that he would raise again on the third day. Jesus kept his promise. He's fulfilling his oath, isn't he? Now remember these women, they had been through all these stages of Jesus' final moments in his death. And the angel invites them to come and peer into the tomb. So I imagine these women, still in awe and fear of what's going on, are slowly looking into the tomb, wondering where he is. And the angel says to him in verse 7, Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. So these women peer in, they see no Jesus. And they leave. And here it says in verse 8, So they departed quickly from the tomb with, great, with fear and great joy and ran to his disciples. I love this verse. I love it. It says they departed quickly. They ran. They sprinted out of there. Now, I'm not running, of course, as you can tell, but yeah, I love this phrase because it says, with fear and great joy. Now, there's fear because of what they've witnessed, right? They just saw this, this awestruck man that moved a boulder by himself. The guards aren't moving. They're awestruck. The tomb's empty. But the key here is actually the term joy. Not just joy, but great joy. Now, this is an interesting word. Okay, it comes from the Greek word kara. Okay, kara. Now, when you hear of joy in the English language, what are some things that come to mind? You can, you can speak, it's fine. What, what things come to mind? Birth of a baby. Birth of a baby, that's a good one. What else? A wedding, a wedding. yeah, yeah. So experiences, yeah. What was that? Yeah, hey, I like that one. Yeah, that's a good one. Get out of the house, right? No, um, so the word kara, it's actually, it, it's, it's, I'm glad you guys kind of talked about that because the thing is it's not, in the word Greek, it's not tied to an emotion. So it's not like happiness or glee. There's more to it. It's, it's hard to describe. It's more of like a, a, a sus, it has substance to it, if that makes sense. And you can read this later because uh, Paul in Galatians, he uses the term kara, joy, to describe fruits of the Spirit. 
Now, all these fruits of the Spirit, they're kindness, right? Joy, love. They're not just emotions that you feel. They're, they're more, right? There's more to them. So the best way I can describe it is, is, is the English language doesn't actually do a good job of understanding joy. You know, like, for example, when we take the word love, right? I can love my dog, my son, my wife, pizza, right? Probably too much for my case. But we can love these things, right? Well, in the Hebrew language, they actually have over 10 words to describe love. And the Greek is similar. It has four main ones, but it has even more than that, six, six or eight even. Now, joy is kind of the same thing. It's, it's, it's not so much of emotion as more of a, a state of being. Does that make sense? A state of being. So I was trying to come up with some visual that would this look like. And for parents, I think it's, you know that moment when you get to hold your child for the first time? Your entire world changes. The way you view life is different, isn't it? It's no longer the same. You know, and for kids, I think of, you know, even riding a bike or swimming or a first car, it, it might seem, but your world is different. What what, how you viewed it before is not the same as how you view it now. Life has changed. There's a new state of being. It's a change in reality. So these women have a change in reality. That's why they're running. They realize something is different because Jesus is not there. And here's where it gets interesting. Jesus himself appears to the women as they're going back. And I love this. It says, greetings. It's all now caps and an exclamation point. Here's another point where our English words don't do it justice. It's like, hello, I'm so happy to see you. It's, uh, I think when I was reading this, I was thinking about my dog. Bear with me. But when I leave to take the trash out or I'm gone for a whole day, when I step in that door, it's the best thing that has ever happened to him that day. It's the best thing. It doesn't matter where I've gone, how long. He has never been happier in his entire life except for that moment. And it's the way it's translated in the Bible is actually uh, a greeting of a joyful greeting. There's that word again, joyful. Which means Jesus met them and it was so happy to see them. It was amazing. It was, and, it, and it reflects Jesus' new state of being as well. Now, when they meet him, what do they do? They immediately fall at his feet and worship him. Is that because they were sad, glad to see him? He's raised from the dead? I like to think it's that kara. It's the new state of being. When they see Jesus, it's not just that they're friends back, this man that they loved being with. It's that they realized, they've come to realize that this man, <coughs> excuse me, this man is who he says he is. He's the son of God. There's no doubt at that point. Not only that, but he, he is the true promised Messiah promised to the Israel people. He is fulfilling 
years of prophecy. How could you not fall at the feet and worship? How could you do anything else? So it's, in fact, uh, something that comes to mind is in Luke 24, 8, it actually says, they remembered what he said. And that's, that's kind of the trigger. They remembered that he is the one true Messiah, the Savior of the world. All their grief, their sins, everything has been washed away. They are made clean and pure. And they are the witnesses of the first, of the one resurrection and to be testimony to the disciples. So we've talked about these women, but here's, here's the other part is, is these women are tasked with a task, right? They're, they're said, go tell the disciples and, of my coming back and, and that I'll be waiting for them in Galilee. So we're going to actually transition to the disciples and what happens. So the second part of our passage is Luke 24, 8 through 12, and it says, and they remembered his words. This was about the women. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them that told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. They did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. So his women had returned to disciples. Now this part, I'll admit, I kind of got a little frustrated because I'm sitting here going, yeah, where, where were these disciples that had just been with this guy for three years? Well, some of them were actually witnesses at the, at the crucifixion with the mother of Jesus, right? But most of them hid. They've been in hiding this whole time. They've been scared. Now, they're scared for their lives as their leader was just murdered, right? And so they're scared that they're next. So they've been in hiding. And these women with the perfect testimony come in and what do the disciples do? They don't believe them. They doubt them. Were they still afraid? Were they ruled by fear? What was going on? But then this part happens, right? Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Now I love this. I actually love what Luke does here. He used the word rose because Jesus rose from the dead. He conquered death. He conquered sin. He conquered everything for us. Peter rose from his stupor, from his fear from being controlled. He rose. I get this visual as he's sitting there as the women and the disciples are bickering and it, his eyes widen. He jumps up and he just zooms out of the room. And all the disciples are going, what got into Peter? Where did, what happened to him? And he ran. He just ran. Now in the book of John, John never mentions himself in his own book. He says another disciple. It's Peter and John are running to the tomb. John is so excited, he outruns Peter. He leaves him in the dust. He's like, I don't care. I'm leaving you. I'm going to see what's happening. They're running with excitement. Sometimes we experience something, right? 
Like for me, it was the Minneapolis miracle. For you, it might be something else. We, we think it's joy, that kara, that new state of being. But it's not, is it? I want to share something with you real quick. Ah, still brings tears to my eyes. <laughs> now, I, I, I kind of like this video because uh, it kind of... Did you hear how loud it got? You know, it's, it's, it's pretty quiet, and then they throw the ball, the receiver goes up, he gets it, and then there's a couple cheers because some of them realize, right? But still, and then... And then he turns and more people cheer because they're starting to realize, oh my, what, what is happening? Is this really happening right now? And then he's, as he's going closer and closer to the goal, it's deafening, right? You have players running. It's so loud. The camera's like crackling because the sound can't accurately pick up the noise. I was so excited about this. I remember... Leaving the stadium, and I was calling my wife, I was calling my friends, we were talking about it. I had a Viking sticker I wore at work all week, you know. And, and, and the talk in Minneapolis, I work in Minneapolis, was destiny, right? This is destiny. This is, nothing can stop us. Well, what happened that week? Yeah, we got blown out. We got manhandled by the eagles. But it, that's the idea, is this thing we thought was Cora, it was temporary, right? It was unsustainable. So let's go back to Peter and John. They peered into the tomb and they realized something. Peter sees the linen clothes and it says he walked away marveled at what he had seen. He's getting it. Can you imagine with me the feeling he's got. He's realizing that the man he walked with for three years, ate with, slept next to, is the son of God. He's dealing, he went with the Messiah that was promised. He's realizing that everything has come true. He has what? He has Kara. He has a new state of being, a new understanding of his life, right? Somebody asked me this week, actually, why do you think the disciples were so willing to go through what befalled them later? Well, when you have a state of being like this, 
how could you choose anything else? So actually at our Good Friday service, if you were able to attend, you received a little white stone. I asked you to bring it. If you didn't, that's fine. We actually have some at the back of the church. Uh, so if you'd like one, I encourage you to take one. Um, it was a symbol. It was a symbol of how God views us after we've laid down our burdens to him, given them to him at the cross, and he took them. We've been made pure. We say things at a church like washed by the blood of Christ. What does that mean, washed by the blood of Christ? Well, it means when Jesus was hung on the cross, he took everything we've done, the burdens, the sin, the physical pain, and he took it upon himself so that we don't have to have it. Not only the things we've done, but the things to come, right? Anything to come after that point, we have been washed clean. You've been made righteous is the technical term. And what that means is uh, every year actually around this time, the Jewish people sacrifice something to cleanse their family. Not only this, but they used to do it for the whole nation. So they would bring sacrifices and the main priest would have to go into the Holy of Holies before the presence of God and cleanse for the entire nation and for the families of Israel. We don't do that anymore because there was one sacrifice that was sufficient. It was more than enough. We've been made pure. See, before we were, the Jewish people were considered unholy, they had to be cleansed. And now you have a direct connection with God you can beseech him anytime you want. And that's what the stone is for. It's a reminder of that. And that's what I think this woman and Peter were realizing when they fell before Jesus, when they saw him, when Peter's walking away marveled it's because they have a new state of being. They're new. Not just in life, but their appearance, the way they view the world. I think back to January, and I, it's just a memory, right? I think back to that moment. Now, it's a memory I cherish because I got to have it with my son. Beautiful, I'll always hold on to it but I don't even have the same emotion to it as I did when I experienced it. In fact, it often comes because I know what comes next. But that's the thing about this that we're celebrating today. If you believe in Christ, if you believe he's the son of God, that he died for your sins and rose on the third day, there's no sad ending for you. There's no, no sadness for you at the end. You're promised eternal life. And that's the difference, right? That's what Korah is. It's that realization that God has picked you up in his hand. He'll never let you go. You were hand-chosen, hand-picked by him. That's something to be celebrated, is it not? Isn't that something to be joyous about? 
You know, I think of that stadium, and they're happy about something so temporary. But we have something every day we should be celebrating, right? I should be hopping out of bed, running by, hugging my daughter, saying, hey, Jesus loves you. You, you are joyful. You're forgiven. You have a place in heaven. I should be sliding down the railing downstairs, ready to see the first face, telling them about this amazingness I've seen, right? Because you're different. You are. You've been promised a place in heaven. What is more joyous than that? Nothing we deal or experience with here on earth is going to matter when we get to be in heaven and worship God the moment we see him like those women. We get to fall at his feet and worship him nonstop. I want to try something with you. It's kind of cheesy, but I like to try it. Um, You guys know what a slow clap is? Yeah, it's where you kind of start like this, and it steadily gets faster and faster and faster until you kind of cheer and hoop and holler, right? Well, I would like to try that with you guys. Because I think it's something to be celebrated. Now, kids, this is one of the only opportunities you get to scream, yell, and cheer, and the parents won't shush you at church. So I encourage you to take advantage of the opportunity. But the reason why is I think this is something to celebrate, right? This is something to be cheerful about. And so I'd like you to encourage you, to encourage you to be able to express, to fall down at the feet like, Jesus, like the women did for Jesus to say thank you, to worship him, to cheer for him. Is that okay? Can we do that together? Okay. We can stay seated. I'm not going to make you stand. But I'll start it, and I I would encourage you to join in, and then just to cheer and say thank you for God. Are you ready? Exactly. I like that. Thank you. That brought me joy, so I appreciate it. And this is my prayer and hope for you, is that today you realize that God, the creator of the universe, he specifically chose you, uniquely you, to have a place in heaven with him. He thought of you the entire time, and he can't wait. He's going to joyously greet you at the gates of heaven. And so that's my joy, is that you cling to that realization. Now this rock, this is a symbol. It's a reminder. I like reminders. I often space out. My wife will tell you mid-conversation, I'll probably stop talking at times. But the point is, is sometimes we need a reminder. So I encourage you as you leave, you can grab a rock. You can draw a cross on it, write holy, because that's what you are. You are holy, righteous. And just use it as a reminder of how God views you. You're you're not a failure to him. You're his greatest creation. He loves you. You, and, And with that, I hope you have a new state of being today and going forward. I hope you have joy. Let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for today. As Gina said, there is no greater day than today. The realization of you and just all that you've done, that you have assured us a place in heaven that someday soon we will get to be with you in great glory. Lord, I ask that these people can just turn today to celebrate. They can celebrate you, celebrate each other, that when they look upon each other, they realize they are all in a state of joy and they will be with each other in heaven. Lord, we ask those that want to know more that they seek it out. They can talk to me or the elders or the prayer team. We ask that you, you, you allow them the, the courage to seek. Seek us out. But Lord, as we worship the rest of the day, let it be for you. Let your ears be pleased with the, the joyous cry of your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. The Bridge Bible Church stands to exalt the name of Jesus. We seek to be a community that gives glory to Christ above all things and welcomes all people to join us in worshiping him. If you don't have a church home, consider visiting ours. We are ordinary people who want to live life with authentic faith. For more information on how to get connected, deepen your faith, and experience what God has for you, please visit our website at thebridgewire.com.